Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greetings and welcome to this most productive Tuesday here on the Lori and Julia show on MyTalk 1071, streaming live at MyTalk1071.com. Everything entertainment. Go get the MyTalk app while you're at it. Lots of stuff happening today. We've got an author interview coming up at the bottom of the hour. Award show wrap-up. Study of the Lori and Julia are here. I'm Holly Rocco's taking a couple days off. Thanks, Holly. Yeah. Let's get to it. Thanks for filling in for Rocco. By the way, people loved your White Sands National Park uh, picture that you posted. It's such a beautiful place. And you said it's the newest national park in the, is it the eastern, southeastern corner of New Mexico, right? The southeastern corner. Mm -hmm. So the biggest city near White Sands is Las Cruces, New Mexico. So it's almost near El Paso, Texas. But it's, you know, it's incredible. It used to be a national monument, but then they decided to make it a national park, I think, last, uh, for various last reasons. Last year or 2019 or something like yeah, that? 2019. Yeah, 2019. Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, the picture yes. of you in the hat and the sunglasses could be in mm-hmm. vogue. You have to cover up because otherwise you're just going to be scorched and obliterated out But here. you look gorgeous too, I've never Holly. even seen sand no. that white, I don't no. think. No, ever. Because what was the place that reminded us where Brad and Angelina had their baby? Namibia? In Africa Namibia? that has the big dunes, but not white, white sand like that. Well, White Sands National Park is the biggest gypsum deposit in the world. So there's no, literally no place like it. And just the, the nature in that part of the world is fantastic. And some of the creatures you encounter are incredible. And to give go. a gypsum tie-in, Nomadland, the yes. town of Eureka, it was a gypsum mine that closed in the town that uh, Francis McDormand is supposed to they be from. They make sheet that, Yeah, which yep. they make out of gypsum, yep. apparently. I never even knew what gypsum was. It's a material. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That's all the deeper we're getting on that one. Holly, but that was, that's just a new, it's nice to know about that place. It's a new uh, travel goal for a lot of people. Um, Also got a nice email from a dude. I won't use his name. The subject, ear canal. I get it done too. (laughs) Lori, thanks for talking about the earwax situation. I've never heard anyone else talk about it like that. (laughs) I'm 38 and I've been having this done since high school. My ear canal has a kink in it. That's what the doctors say. Okay. Sometimes I need it twice a year. I can tell when I need it because when I lay my head on the pillow at night, my ears will block close and I miss my alarm in the morning. Wow. I've always called it ear irrigation. I didn't know it was called lavage. Lavage. Well, that's just fancy. Fancy name. (laughs) And I also have to tell the clinician sometimes how to do that. Or I have to tell them it's not 
clean yet. And I've had the experience where also multiple doctors come in to look at my ears <laughs> as if I'm special or unique. It's awkward. I don't let them show me the earwax anymore. I don't want to see it. <laughs> oh, you got to look at it, though. Well, that's because Lori, if you're just joining us, had a cashew removed from her ear yesterday. Both ears. ears. A and wax cashew. Wax. Right. A wax wax. cashew. She didn't put them in there. Right. And wow, Lori. I mean, everything is still so loud. Is it? Well, I was running hot when with last you know, night with the loud boy, loudest man in the Casey, world. Well, um, I came home and he was just moving his mouth and making no sounds because I told him yesterday that I'm, you know, super sensitive, like almost like a person who's just started wearing hearing aids. Right. Okay. You know, and so he, I get in and he's like, just mouthing pretending, words at me. Right. Pretending that he's talking. So, anyway, that, uh, yeah, that is something else. Well, it's nice to know you're not alone. And you no. probably are helping people who have, like, wondered, I can't hear, you know, just go get the wax taken out sometimes. It's embarrassing to think that your body, we are very but, shy about a lot of weird stuff with our bodies, canals. you know. No, but, like, even people will, if they have something, you know, coming out the backside that looks ah, and you just well, I just your instinct kind of is to ignore it because you don't mm-hmm. want to deal with it. It just seems too disgusting or right. scary or whatever. But yeah, there's plenty of people who like to watch Doctor Pimple Popper. Look or, at that on my weird feet or whatever right. that show is called. Oh, they got a whole new show waiting to happen. My ear lavage. Oh, oh. well, it's. <laughs> It, it's not, it wouldn't be as satisfying as a zit popping, but I think it would be satisfying in some way to watch it. Uh, I mean, possibly. So gross, I mean, my mom used to call them potatoes. Let me get those potatoes out of your ears. How would she do it, though? Well, sweet potatoes. Um, oh, 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 I because I think when you're sweet. maybe a little kid, maybe the earwax kind of comes out mm-hmm. a little bit more and is collects in, you know, you're cleaning sure. your ear, but you're not. That's why you don't jam a Q-tip, Q-tip in down there. Because you're packing. God, it feels Your so Your earwax, good which is, you know, probably protecting the little, the the, little hairs. The that, eardrums. The mm-hmm. eardrums. Thank mm-hmm. you, Julia. Well, thank you for the email, Anonymous. Yeah, well, he didn't need to be anonymous, but I don't want, I don't want yeah. to say his name, even though he's got a great name. Don't say it. I won't say it. But don't anyway. Don't say it. Hey, we had two notable uh, passings today. I know we today. did. Um, this morning we learned that uh, Verdon Jordan, the civil rights lawyer who built a career as a power broker in politics and business, has died at the age of 85. He passed away at home last night, surrounded by loved ones. And um, he uh, chaired Bill Clinton's pres- uh, transition team, and he was a friend and an, and an advisor to both Bill and Hillary. And at the early 1960s, he became the Georgia field director for the NAACP, and he famously helped escort Charlene Hunter um, through a crowd of white protesters at the University of Georgia in 1961. Mm. So he was just mm-hmm. an incredible guy. And so he was 85, and it doesn't sound like the COVID guy. No, it's a nice long life. So that's mm-hmm. good. And then reggae icon Bunny Whaler, founding member of the Whalers, Bob Marley, Peter Tosh, and Bunny Whaler, yep. he has died at the age of 73. Here's a little oh, t- to, Jamaica. to Jamaica. And just yeah. even before that, and Bob I mean, Marley in the I knew I mean, a little Bob Marley, yeah. but I didn't really appreciate oh, it, I don't think, so until the good. first time I went to right. Jamaica. 
How about you guys? Well, I knew it before Jamaica. I went to Jamaica on my honeymoon. But I, Bob Marley and the Whaler, like in the 20s, when I was in my 20s, 20s, I thought that was the coolest music. I did. I was just like, I'm going to miss this music because it's just everywhere. Everywhere. How about you, Holly? When did you discover reggae? It was Bob Marley's legend. Yeah. That is a multi-million selling album. And so that's Bob Marley and the Whaler's greatest hits. Right. Yes. Right. And that that is just an essential album for everybody to have. And and Bunny... um, he uh, he's had a couple strokes mm-hmm. in the last year, so th- that's what he uh, passed away of. But his uh, Bob Marley's mother lived with Bunny's, and at the time, Bunny was Bunny Livingston's dad. Oh, so basically, okay. Bunny and Bob were, were step big, basically stepbrothers. Mm-hmm. And um, when they met Peter Tosh, then they ended up, you know. Being, of course, you know, this incredible uh, band. band. And, yeah, so just a lot of people. I never saw him. I know he played at First Avenue mm-hmm. and maybe the Cedar. But, yeah, so so that's that's too bad. But I was really in the double wide today. I was in a reggae um, sound jam. Yes. Just playing everything. Rolling Stone had a great um, obituary. Yeah, they do. I and, just I read that. Well, in, do you want to know some good music news? Sure. Okay, so Mick Fleetwood. Says he's reconciled with Lindsey Buckingham. Oh, those two oh. have had more reconciliations <laughs> than uh, Tammy Wynette and what's they, his they name? They want you to know that they've been talking it through. And in a recent interview, Mick revealed, I've really enjoyed being reconnected with Lindsey, which he has been gracious and open. And both of us have been beautifully honest about who we are and how we got where we are, he told the Rolling Stones. And as far as reunion shows go... He told the Rolling Stone magazine yeah, or Rolling the Rolling Sto- Stones? No, the Rolling okay. Stone magazine things. As far as any reunion shows go, Mick thinks it's unlikely, but strange things can happen. They talk just in case. Yeah. yeah. If the money's right, exactly. strange things can happen. Exactamundo. Oh, yep, you man. got it. All right, listen, when we come back, it's our story we can't get enough of. All right, people, little George Michael knew you were waiting for me on this. Is it hump day? What day it, no, week is it's it? not. It's only Tuesday, it the only? most productive day of the week, as Holly introduced <laughs> on the show. And we didn't write it on our sheet what day it was. Yeah, I know. I forgot. And uh, apparently, um, uh, not a lot of people tuned in uh, for the 78th Golden Globe Awards this past uh, Sunday night on NBC. It was the lowest uh, watched ceremony. You got to go only back 20 years because this show's been on the air since 78. Yeah, right. Or for 78 okay. years. but. The biggest dishonor of the worst ratings was 2008 when the Writers Guild was on strike. Oh, remember that? And yes. there was no one to write jokes, to, you right, know, right, do right, all right, of that. Right. And it was just done presentation style. Yes. Okay, so that had like um, um, an audience of 6 million, only 870. So it had like 6.7. It was a little short of 7 million. Okay. So that is a that is a... That is down 62%. So From last year? Yeah, and I'll tell you where I think the TV got turned off, like right away, people who were going to watch it. When they kicked it off, and Tina and Amy came out, and then the whole it looked like your Zoom meeting from hell. There were 150 tiny little boxes behind the host i remember seeing it and you and were I just thought, like i'm not going there people were just everyone who's been uh zoom 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 in this whole past year 
this was like, I'm going to go see what's on CSI. Maybe I'm going to watch American Idol. Maybe I'm going to watch this Allen versus Pharaoh, which that has just dropped. That was 96. That that really. Oh. But anyway, I mean, it just, I think that initial view. Am I, I don't know. What do you well, guys think? Kind of the thing is. You but when know, you, when it first came sure. out, I mean, I was like. I was, I was stressed when I saw that. Same. And I think that's a funny thing because. Of course, they're going to have to do that. And of course, they're going to have to figure out. But don't, but don't show us that right away. We don't like virtual audiences. I don't want to see them. No. I really don't want to see them because it kind of bums me out. And I think people are trying to be inclusive and everything. But I'm with you, Lori. But I also think the beauty of the Golden Globes is watching all the celebs interact with each other at the tables. Yeah. And all the cameras going to them. I mean, that's the beauty of of so many of these well, award shows. Yes, of course. The people but, in the audience. But you know, that yeah. visual I'm gave everyone Zoom fatigue, and I just think people turned away. And what's on Netflix? Or I'm going to mm-hmm. watch Designing Women, or I'm going to do this. Or it just right away it set a not the right tone. I gasped. I was just like, "What is?" And then NBC obviously gave up because you know they had Jane Lynch <laughs> and Susan Kalecki Watsi <laughs> doing what they called a pre-show, which was. Several Ridiculous. boring taped interviews that they'd done yeah. the day before. Yeah. It was just lazy. Yep. So congratulations, NBC. You continue to throw money out the window because they paid sixty. They paid sixty million dollars a year to broadcast Unbelievable. that. Unbelievable. Holly, what are your thoughts about this? Do you have Zoom the, when the when that you know? opened? Yeah. Well, it's exactly the same thing that you guys were talking about. It's like, well, we're trying. We're trying, and I know that we have to try with this award ceremony, but Julia, you're exactly right. We watch the Golden Globes because it's like going to a Hollywood party. It is. Yeah. And we want to go to the Hollywood party. This was like the Zoom meeting with mm-hmm. accounts receivable. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, mm-hmm. well, I have to do that all the time. But mm-hmm. parts of it were really delightful, but I, I, I think just the initial visual, Lori, I think you're right there. But parts of it were so delightful. I yeah. enjoyed the show. Yeah, I did too. And I even yeah. awkwardly enjoyed as a the winner would accept it while the other four people had to pretend they were interested right. in the Zoom. Right. Really the only enthusiastic person that that seemed truly happy for everyone who won, and she was in two categories where she didn't win, was Olivia Coleman. She was she delightful. She had the best reactions. For the, yes. She was genuinely excited. Yes. But, I mean, there were a lot of awkward um, moments. Like when um, Tina Fey, I mean, those ladies were savage. And I'm here for, for that. Because I, I, I think that's what the Golden Globes, that's what we want. But I forgot about the the... Savage joke about Nicole Kidman being nominated for the undoing. It was her hair versus her her wig versus her coats. Mm-hmm. And they they only did this a couple times and then they seemed to stop. They did it with the Kate Hudson joke. And yep. they zoomed in. And, and there's and Nicole kids. and Kid, Kidman and Keith Urban and their two kids. And the one little girl looked like she was going to burst mm-hmm. into tears. She oh, turned and looked yeah. at her mom. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know what they were thinking. Right. Having Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts.
I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. You know I what I mean? I feel like she's got a good sense of humor, though. No, no. You know. She looked... Oh, I, I don't remember seeing her face in that one. I thought... I paused. I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're giving us this. So in terms of just a gossiping, you know, peeping lady, I I was just like, mm, let me back that up and look at that right. expression. The daughter looked mortified because it is a good joke. And it, it was, was a good joke. And it was kind of true about uh, Nicole Kidman in the undoing. You were fascinated with her coats and her hair. Yeah. Because and that was talked about the whole time it was on. The whole time. Yeah. And also, I recall talking about all of us have been to New York City. I don't know a woman alive who would wear a, a duster or a maxi coat through the streets of New York City. Yes. If that, you want to pick up a slice of pizza and a rat on the way. Yeah, unless your you're Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. They there seem to not mind dragging Here's, their coats because they can just get another one from the road fashion rack. closet. Take this to dry cleaning. Right. <laughs> Take this to dry cleaning. So anyway, yeah, it was uh, it was just yeah. People were not not into. What do you um, think they can like? Okay, so oh, it'll go. It, it's a hundred percent in two weeks. Yeah, I hope the Grammys were watching mm-hmm. and they're paying attention. And the Grammys don't start the show with a hundred and fifty little Zoom squares at the beginning of the show. Let us let us. Flipping, you forget know, Zoom. You know the artist that uses um, little pieces of magazines to make a, mar- a collage and make a big piece mm-hmm. of art? I think that whole thing will be wiped up. The genre, we're so sick of it. You yeah, know, the right. collage look in general, because it's just such a burnout look. For, yeah. I mean, it's just a weird thought, but that... I don't Little want squares. I are, don't want an award show to ever start that way. I think that it just instantly gave people just like, ugh. It's like how I feel around here when, uh, uh, you know, the big boss invites us to like some trivia night or something company wide. No, I don't like them. Oh, no, but that sounds like a (laughs) nightmare to me with a bunch of it's like there's great prizes, Lori. Or when people reply all to a company wide email. I mean, it's got the same. You're just like, are you kidding me? We don't even have any performers or presenters for the Grammy. So who knows what they're going to be doing? I have. Right. Nothing. No, nothing. We, don't been we don't know anything. We don't. We know nothing. We don't know who and they're going to be. He, what's his butt has Bell's palsy, so he's not doing his thing. Clive Davis. You know, yeah, but we never said, see the that no, party no. until afterwards. Or we or might whatever. have to talk to our gal Lori, Tanya, mm-hmm. see if she knows anything. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and I just have to give it up for the best late night treat in the world happened last night on Jimmy Kimmel. Eddie. Murphy and Arsenio Hall were on together promoting Coming to America too. They, because they've been friends, they go back to the eighties. I don't know when in the eighties they met, but they can finish each other's sentences. They were so funny. Jimmy Kimmel asked, "What was it like, Eddie, for you to be on Arsenio's Hall?" 
He said, Eddie Murphy's like, man, if you go back and look at the, all we're doing is laughing. I love that. They gave each other so much crap. They talked about Louis Anderson. They, they had said, to find a white funny guy. Yep. Yeah. And they said Louis was the one. And uh, anyway, I loved that. And that Oprah just learned that Eddie and Arsenio played the old men in the barbershops. So a lot of people oh, don't know that. That surprised me, Doc. So you didn't know that? I yeah. knew that. Oh, knew I that. knew that, but like, come on. No, but he I said know. people don't know the makeup's so good. Thanks for hanging out with us. It is a Low J Book Club day today, yes, and we are very delighted that we have a best-selling author. Maybe you've read her book Behind Every Lie or The Night Olivia Fell. Yeah. Now you're going to read Do No Harm. Christina McDonald, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Lori and Julia. It's so good to be here. No kidding. Now we're talking to you in London. You grew up in Seattle. Yeah. And, and you went, how did you get over there? How did you make it to London? <laughs> it's kind of a long story, but the, the shortened version is I went traveling and I ended up um, at the airport in Heathrow and I I was really tired and I stumbled out of the arrival lounge to an Aer Lingus desk and I ended up getting a ticket right then and there to Ireland. And when I got to Ireland, I traveled around and I fell in love with this town that had a gorgeous university. And I applied for my master's degree in journalism and I just moved there and I met my future husband. Oh. And so then shortly after that, um, we moved to London. So, yeah, so I did a bit of traveling first and then, then you know, boy meets girl. I love it. <laughs> and the way yeah. you say, um, how you say it is so Irish. Is it? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I've been away for so long, like like nearly half my life now I've been away. I mean, yeah. I go back to visit my family, my mom, and my right. sisters are still in Seattle, so obviously not this year, but most years. Yeah, yeah. no, we can, we can, I can tell you've been there for a long time, yes. but you're a cute um, mishmash of an accent. Yes. All right, so <laughs> tell us about your new novel, Do No Harm. Sure, sure. So Do No Harm is about Emma, a doctor whose son is diagnosed with a really rare form of cancer. She's determined to save him, so she makes the really risky and very dodgy decision to start selling opioids in order to fund the life-saving treatment that he needs. But then somebody ends up dead, and a game of cat and mouse ensues, and her own husband, who is the town's head detective, is leading the chase, trying to find out who is responsible for that death. So she's trying to the doctor, Emma, is trying to figure out, you know, how far is she willing to go to save her son and do the ends ever justify the means? And, it's, you know, it's it really the book is really it's a page turner. Yes, it you is. can't put it down. Uh, we're Thank curious. You. We're curious if it, you had any just or any. Was there a story that you read? Because, you know, the whole way that you write about like opioid yes. and addiction is is really uh, to powerful. me, yeah, it was powerful, but also very s- sensitive about how people get in situations that they did, would never have dreamt for themselves. And then you have people yeah. preying on them to sell yeah. things. I mean, even Prince ended up buying street Vicodin and he yeah. got fentanyl and he died. Of a, right. Yeah. You know? no, I mean, it's it's so horrible. I mean, so, yes, there's a very personal element to this story. The reason why I mean. First and foremost, any of my books are always, they're a thriller, and I want people to enjoy them. I want them to have an escape from, you know, their normal life mm-hmm. and to just get really invested in the characters and the story. But also, I did choose to set this particular book 
against the backdrop of the opioid epidemic because I've watched my own brother struggle with addiction for most of my adult life. And that's given me a lot of opinions, mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty strong opinions. It's changed my view of addiction and opioids. And I can see that, you know, it's a multifaceted problem. There's so many sides to this epidemic that we have in America. And and it's just, it's so hard watching somebody that you love so much constantly going to war with themselves. It's just, it's a very special level of health. So I really wanted to set a book against that backdrop. And then one day I read a story about a podiatrist in Indiana who actually did set up an opioid ring. And I started thinking about it, like, why would somebody do that amidst this horrific epidemic that we have going on in America? Right. And and I was thinking about motivations. What would get somebody doing that? You know, what is it? was it just money? Did he want money? And that, there's no excuse for that. Did he want power or status? And the only thing I could I even, you know, understand than how I'd watched my own brother and his struggle was love because... I have children and I would do anything for them. So then that that sort of got the wheels going on like Emma, my protagonist, you know, what she would do, how far you would go as a mother, even amidst an opioid epidemic. And then at the end of all of that, do the ends ever justify the means, which is very much the theme of the story. Mm -hmm. It's it's such it's such a great book. Um, If you're just joining us, we're talking to Christina McDonald. She's in London right now. Do No Harm is her novel. You know, was it hard for you, this is, I think this is your third novel, was it hard for you having that personal connection and the backstory of your brothers, what's going on with him, writing this book, was this one harder for you? No, actually, I think it was easier, actually, because I think, you know, there's there's such a strong emotional connection here, and actually all of my books are like that. I write from a very strong, emotional, deep place inside of me, so... I think I think all of my books are like that, but mm-hmm. in particular, um, you know, the story is completely fictional. Like this right. isn't true. None right. of these characters right. are, are in any way based on real people. But my my opinions and the feelings that I have about um, the opioid crisis and the the different points of view from which we can look at it, that's all really authentic. And I think in that way, it made it a lot easier to write. This was actually the quickest book I've ever written. It took me for the first draft. Um, not counting research, but just getting the basic bones of the out of the of the story down. It only took me three months to write, and I oh think that's gosh. because, yeah, I mean, I think that's because I had such a strong emotional connection and a lot of, you know, feelings. <laughs> yeah, you can, yeah, I think you can tell because of, in reading it, that was the one thing that I I was really struck at that I don't know that I've read very many books that come from a compassionate voice when it comes to addiction. addiction. Um, a lot of times yeah. people, it's an, I don't know, you could tell. It's, so to me, you did that beautifully. Now I'm curious about the kind of research you did to find out about, you know, how the illegal um, opioid Rins. business trade, right. how it runs, how... <laughs> how their bosses, gang bosses, money to be made and the intersectionality of of that. I'm curious. Well, yeah, so I did a lot of research for this book just because of the type of book it is. There's a lot of information that I needed to know before I could really sit down and sit down and kind of write the plot. So I researched in um like medical journals. I spoke with actual doctors, you know, I, I I just had to research a lot about it, but I also spoke to um, police officers to mm-hmm. find out, like, 
is it, do you really set up um, panels like <laughs> to look into drugs that are being sold? Do you really do these sorts of things? So I had to do quite a few interviews to really get my facts straight in terms of what is and isn't possible. Um, and then I, and then I spoke with my brother to find out, you know, how do you feel about these different experiences that you've had? So I've, I obviously mm-hmm. <laughs> made sure he was okay with me talking about about his story um, publicly because right. you know it's a private thing. Yeah. I got yeah. his, his permission too, but yeah. So I did loads of research. I did loads of interviews. I I um I did yeah. I had a doctor read the book after I'd finished the first draft, and and I asked her things like you know is it possible to be stabbed in the stomach and then still live? So I made sure to ask all of the different sort of things that happen mm-hmm. in order to make sure that they're re- it's, it is actually really authentic. Oh, it, it is. I mean, it's great. just like, mm-hmm. I was just like, <gasps> I'd finished one chapter and then, you know, but mm-hmm. I, you know, read it in a day. I was lucky to read it on vacation. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's really good. If you're just joining us again, we're with Christina McDonald, bestselling author, um, do no harm. This is a pop sugar, best new mystery thriller, thriller pick and other things, but um, I, I have, I have a, burning has a burning question, question for you, Christina. Um, right. As right. as an American, <laughs> you've lived in the UK, you know, for a long time. Um, I would just be curious to know what your thoughts are about the abuse and harassment oh, gosh, of, the, of Harry and Meghan by the British press. <laughs> Not that I'm telling you how I feel. I mean, it's. Um... I don't read the Daily Mail okay. or any of that sort of. Mm-hmm. I don't read stuff like that, so I've never, I've never really gotten involved in it. But I do see things on Twitter that are really, truly appalling because I, I just think we need to be a little bit more kind with each other, and I'm a little bit appalled at the way they are treated. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I don't, I don't know them personally, but I think just because they are in a position that they're in doesn't mean that they're bad people. So I, I just think it's horrific, the abuse that they get. Yeah. And I think everybody should have just maybe a tiny bit more compassion. And I mean that in general, like everybody needs to have just right. a little bit more compassion in the world we're living in, you know, and, and like, like with my story, for example, there's, there's a lot of sides to any, any story, to any person's life, you mm-hmm. know, um, like with, with addiction, you know, people, Sometimes people actually do need opioids, but yes. sometimes then they become addicted. So there's so many sides to look at. And it's the same thing with with um, with Megan and Harry. And I just think that people don't always look at all of the sides. They just instantly get mad. And I think we all need to just have a bit more compassion with everybody. <laughs> yeah. I agree with you. All right. So, well, thinking of the, yeah. the documentary Framing Britney Spears, and now people are looking back. And I mean, everybody, individuals, pe- entertainment shows. I mean, everyone looking back and like, how did we talk about Britney Spears and the, that whole that way that culture culture was? looking back on it because now it's been 10 you know 20 years yeah but i wonder yeah. like if they were to put everything and call it framing megan markle oh, and oh, yeah. they did a retrospective of just even the the year after the wedding it, people would be shocked and she was pregnant yeah no i agree i think you know i think hindsight is twenty twenty, and yeah. social media gives us a lot of um, leeway to say things into basically a megaphone that right. we never actually say in real you're, life. You're so yeah. right and, about that. Christina. And, and we need to be careful. <laughs> mm-hmm. Agreed. 
Okay, so we have to ask you something because we know one night, yeah. the night Olivia fell has been optioned. Your other novel has been optioned for TV. For yeah, a TV has, yeah. series. Is there anything happening with that? So everything I think in the world, right, is on hold <laughs> because of COVID. So as far as I know, um, I can't really say a lot about it, but as far as I last knew, the script has been written, but it is, you know, everything's on hold. Did Reese that, Witherspoon option it or who, who optioned it? I can't say oh, you who can't optioned say it, it, but I will say it was not Reese Witherspoon. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, we're, we're just all about all of these books getting optioned because I can't stand. Yeah. There's so many great books out there right now. And, including and, yours. And, including do no yours. harm. Thank we just you. loved it. And, and thank you so much for being on our show today. Oh, my pleasure. Are you working thank on you. your next novel? Um, I am. It's kind of just really in the very early stages. Because I've been spending a lot of time this year homeschooling my children. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> are, do you see them going back to school soon, or are things opening up over there? So they're supposed to go back to school um, next week, actually, on the tenth, oh. the eighth, and the tenth. So hopefully that sticks. Um, hopefully we don't have any crazy variants to take over. So fingers crossed. No mm-hmm. kidding. We can start start getting back to normal. You know. But um, I'm kind of at that point now where, you know, it's been a year and I'm like, well, I'll believe it when I see it. Right, <laughs> right. This is true. Well, nice to meet you. We have to ask you, what's, yeah, if you, you have any time to read other novels, what's the last great novel that you've read? So I'm currently reading one that is so good. It's just blowing me away. It's called Girl One by a lady called Sarah Flannery Murphy. And it's it's a little bit outside of what I'd normally read, because usually I read just pure mysteries and thrillers and suspense. Mm-hmm. And this one's like a, it's a thriller, but it, there's a supernatural element to it. And it's about these nine miracle babies that were conceived without male oh, DNA. I've and then they were raised this. on this experimental commune. And then, um, then the commune goes up in flames, and a couple of them are, are unfortunately die. And then years later, one of the mothers goes missing. So her daughter sets off on this really desperate journey, trying to track down all of the girls and find out what happened to her mother and why she's disappeared. And it is just breathtaking. I'm absolutely loving it, so I highly recommend it. All right. But yes, I do read a lot. Okay, oh, that's good. good. That's you're, a- you're so good, Christina. Just even that book description yeah. was wonderful. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> and it, it, it comes out in June of this year. Yeah. I'm gonna. You've given us a good lead here, Christina. Oh, it's so good. It's really, it's like a it's all about sisterhood and female power. And yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. It's really good. Well, we really love Do No Harm. Thank you Thank for being you. with us. And we will look oh, forward to um, reading Reading your other books and seeing the TV show The Night uh, Olivia Fell. And we're very happy that we have Harry on American soil. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right, Christina, thanks so much. We've got two. Thank you so much, Lori. Julia's laughing at me, Holly, that I always have to ask any authors from across the pond about Harry and Megan. I always end up editorializing. The big diplomatic question of the day. I'm not even, you know, um, I let, I know, I always think, God, I could try and be, you know, um, let, you know, don't inflame, but I can't help it. You can't. You cannot help it. You can't help yourself. You know what? Because I'm right about this. And I've been right about this. <laughs> but you're right about other things, No, too. but I've been right on this, calling it for what it was, which was, how dare you be black and American and married to our Prince Harry? That's what it really comes down to. And that there was just vile... And, and listen, the Daily Mail was ordered today to 
to pay, pay. Megan and Harry $625,000, which is 90% of what they paid to sue the Daily Mail for paying her dad for this letter that right. Megan sent him, a personal family letter begging her dad, don't listen to these people that are calling you. You've got to let me and Harry help you. And her dad was just tricked and conned easily because he and Megan maybe were not the closest. Exactly. Uh, whatever. Exactly. And so the, and now the Royal reporters, I mean, I'm, it, I had to process Holly last Friday, oh. the mega hissy fits about Prince Harry's absolutely a plus plus as far as p planned celebrity pr but his thing with james corden was so good okay it was so good it was so you loved it well because it was just harry being who we always knew who he was you know which is that he is fun and when he goes rolling up to the prince of bel-air and rapping so what were the hissy fits about People just, how dare he do this on the day his grandmother talks about vaccines or who knows what they have hissy fits about. But he he said what he said about the crown, that it was easier to watch the crown than to read the stories about what was actually going on. And Harry has a history going back a very long time expressing how much he is upset because remember, the royal family also gets stories written about them. I mean, you know, there's there's always this that there's made up stuff, and yes, he's yes, probably yes. been talked to about it, but he's never got it. And the reason he's never got it is because his mother was Princess Diana. So today, the press is bending circles around themselves, yelling that Harry doesn't have a right to exploit the right of his the, the the memory of his mother in conjunction with Meghan. That he has no right to, and I'm like, I'm not going to stop. It's like his mom, his story, but you feel you can call him. I mean, it's just like, it's amazing to me. And when they make a documentary about it, Mm -hmm. it will astonish people. The vitriol and the absolute venom and poison pen that came out. And here's a little bit of Harry. This is a little montage. He might be... 16 in this first video. He looks pretty young. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, every single story was complete lies, which rarely, well, which always is, basically, which is a shame. Being away from Windsor. Okay, so that's in Afghanistan. And if you remember at the time, there was a big hoo-ha about Harry even doing that. But luckily for him, Prince Philip, you know, there's a tradition in the royal family to be in... um, to serve in the military and whatever. So he was able to do that. But then you remember when they went to, to Africa and Harry yes. was so upset, rightly so. His wife got vilified when she was pregnant. Yeah. For, you know, that yep. kind of, yep. like you think if you get an email from someone who yells at you about sure. your words. I can't imagine. One email. Yeah. Imagine being pregnant, Mm-mm. having stories just blatantly made up. And I think the deal is, and this is what is, we'll find out when we have our big bowl of popcorn on Sunday night. Yes. But I think that Harry, there's no issue with Harry and his grandmother. No. I think that the issue that he has is that he couldn't change the Royal Rhoda yep. system and his dad and, mm-hmm. and William 
is jealous of him, and I bet his dad has had the conversation with him about it. He's, I can't, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They know how to have a conversation with the spare. There's been enough of them. There's probably a chapter or two in, you know, uh, monarchy uh, stuff about how to talk about. Like that's why you know in the king's in the in the how to be a monarch. But in the book. king's speech, we <laughs> yes, saw yes, we how Elizabeth's father he yes, was the spare, and it was a shock, a shock when Edward abdicated, it, it and was. that was such a big stain for the first. To walk away, and they treated Harry and Meghan, they're walking away, and Harry's like eighth in line, and not, you know, and all the undertones of just prejudice, flat out prejudice. So now they're minimizing their own abuse and trying. I am right about this, and I have been for a long time. I love it that you own it. Okay. All right, we'll be right back, guys. This is Lori and Julia. This is My Talk 1071. You've heard me talking about it for over a year. In those 12 months, guess how many gallons of water our customers have saved using